No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by Inspiration for Today. Let's just pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you would minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I can declare it and speak it with belief and do it and see it change my life. I believe in you, Lord. You can do all things. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been speaking the last few weeks about overcoming depression. And you have to overcome depression to become the hero that the world is looking for. If you are depressed, you cannot be a hero. If you are down and out, you cannot be a hero. If there is anything like that between you and God, the word I can preach to you right now will be worthless to you. I want to encourage you now because yours are the promises of God, and this is what we're talking about today. Yours are the promises of God. But I want to tell you in terms of what you can receive from the Lord is going to be determined by your spirit. <clears throat> if you looked last week, we spoke about Elijah and the angel of God had to come and to speak to him twice. The first time Elijah went back to sleep. <clears throat> Elijah, who had just had a massive monumental spiritual victory, went back to sleep. It's almost like the word of God was boring him. It's almost like the word that the angel had from the Lord was not something that he was going to be interested in. And the Bible says that yours are the promises of God. And I want to ask you again today, does sadness overrule and override you? Does sadness rule your life? Does sadness overpower and overcome you? I want you really to think about that in terms of what is ruling you right now. Is offense ruling you? Is unforgiveness ruling you? Because if all of those things are, are ruling you, then you're not ever going to be able to receive what God has for you. You will read the Bible, it would be dead to you. You will hear the sermon, it will be dead to you. And I want to tell you right now, you have to understand that the enemy every single day is working overtime to make sure that you cannot receive from the Lord, that you cannot receive the promises of God. He will use depression as a weapon against the word of the Lord in your life. He will use a sadness. Now, we get sad when people die. But when sadness rules you, when sadness on a continual basis overpowers you, then there is a problem. There is a problem. And I want you to understand that today. 
There was a time in the nation of Israel, it was the verses I heard yesterday. And I felt just before the service, this is the word of the Lord for our time. And it's from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting at verse 15. And it says, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And I want to tell you that today, the battle is not yours, but God's. It is the Lord's battle, but you've been trying to fight it in your strength. You need to give it to the Lord, and you give it to the Lord by faith, by trusting Him, doing things that the Lord's calling you to do, doing things that the Word tells you to do, even though it doesn't make sense. And I want you just to think about something for a second. Imagine if a prostitute or a pimp or a drug dealer gives their lives to Jesus. You know that they've got a problem now because the very means that they get income by is no longer acceptable. In order for them to begin to live for God and for them to really make Jesus the Lord of their lives, guess what has to happen? They have to give up that which gives them their food and their shelter. And then they have to take a step that doesn't make sense. And they have to feel like they're walking off a cliff. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. And sometimes you need to read the Bible with faith and you need to take that step. Sometimes you need to listen to the sermon with faith, even though every feeling inside of you is saying you don't want to listen. You need to listen because the battle is not yours but God's. If, you, if you're fighting your battle, you've got an issue. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Zer. You will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. That's a promise. You will stand up. And you will watch. You will go there to meet them, but you will not fight them. You will see how God will deliver you. But in order to see the deliverance, you've got to get up and you've got to go. Not sit there in your town or your city or your fortified walls thinking, oh no, we're finished. Oh no, it's over. No, no, you've got to get up and do something and you've got to move in the courage of the Lord and get out there. And then, and then you will see that the Lord will deliver you. If you will do what the Lord says, you will see He will deliver you. Take your positions. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites came from the Kaathites and the Koratites, stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they, so they're praising God before they see the victory. They're praising God in spite of how things look. They're praising God in spite of what they're going through. They're praising God. Nothing's changed yet. 
They still got this army that's far too vast for them to fight. They're still headed for their doom in the natural. They are still finished if you look at them without the word of God. And then it says, Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. They set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Have faith in the Lord and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. So yeah, now Jehoshaphat, he has received a prophecy. Today you're receiving a prophecy. Now he has to stand up with confidence and tell them, listen guys, you're going to be delivered. But it's not there in the natural yet. Him telling the people this is an act of faith. And I want to tell you that this is what God's calling you to do. To stand up with a word of faith on the promises of God. But it's got to be the promises of God. It can't be your own thing. It can't be just some or other um, motivational speech. Motivational speeches are good for the movies, but they don't work in the real world. But when you're giving a word from God, and I'm telling you now that Every one of you today, the Lord is calling to you to be like Jehoshaphat and to praise God even before you have the victory and to take on the promises of God in a world that is full of condemnation, in a world that is overrun by the devil, in a world where there are so many people in pain, in a world where the pain is too great for any single human heart to handle. The world is full of condemnation. The world is full of bad news. But the Lord is calling to you like he called to Jehoshaphat to stand up and to say, let's march. We're going to watch the Lord defeat that enemy. We're going to watch them be defeated. We're not going to do a thing, but we're going to be there by faith, standing there right on the edge, and we're going to watch as the Lord does his thing. Many people only want the bad news. I want you to think about when you even think badly of someone. I mean, I look at America, for example. If you look at all the Democrat supporters, they only want to hear how bad Trump is. They hate it if Trump does something good. I look at the Republican supporters. Man, if, if Joe Biden did something good, they'd never admit it. They'd still find a way to make it bad. Because, you know, we get to a place where Some people just don't want you to do well. And sometimes you go and you tell them about things that are going well, thinking they'll be excited with you. No, they're upset. Because they've got an issue with you. And that's why bad news sells. The world is divided. It's Ukraine or Putin. That's it. I'm for Ukraine. I'm for Putin. It's Ukraine or Putin. But the real story is going down the, the, the water. You know, there's people dying, getting blown up. All sorts of things are happening. But whose side are we on? It takes two to fight a war. I don't care which side you're on. It takes two to fight a war. And you know, you get these world leaders 
and they fight these wars, but they're safe in the White House or the Kremlin or wherever. They're safe. But people in Kiev are getting blown up. When it comes to hurts that people, you know, pain that people have caused you. You know exactly what people did. You can even, you can write out to the detail what they said. Oh, did you hear what they said? They said. And the other people go, yo, yo. They said that. Yeah, they said it. You can list it. You can list the date and the time they said it. Or they did it. You know what they did. I was raped on the 12th of February. 1935. You were? How terrible. Terrible. You know these big things. You can speak about them in detail. You can speak about things you're offended by in detail. But you know, if I asked you to quote the two places in the Bible where the words, by stripes we are healed, comes from, you can't. You can't say it. You can't quote it. You don't know where it is. And that's why the good news is not real to you. If the good news is real to you, you can't help telling people about it. And in Romans chapter 9, verse 6 to 10, it is not as though David's word had failed. So it's not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. We ended with that last week. Nor because they are his descendants are they Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. And then he says this, and I want to focus on this verse. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, say at the appointed time. At the appointed time. Come on, all of you say it. Say at the appointed time. I will return and Sarah will have a son. You can say it. I will return and Sarah will have a son. No, don't, don't repeat, please. Okay. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. God had promised that Sarah would have a son. <clears throat> and she conceived at the time that God had appointed. But she tried to rush the process. And maybe you're sitting there and there's been a promise and the appointed time hasn't come or maybe you're not ready for it. You see, it could be the appointed time or it could be your character hasn't grown to a place where you can actually sustain the promise of God. Because if you can't sustain the promise of God, the promise of God will crush you and destroy you. But God had set the appointment in His diary. And for you, like Sarah had a promise, there are promises that God has given you, and there is an appointed date in the diary, but the question is, are you going to show up? Many wait excitedly for God's timing. Yes, he's going to do it. Yes, yes, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm like T.D. Jakes, I'm saying, get ready, get ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But you miss it. When the opportunity comes, you miss it because the opportunity often comes in a way that you don't expect.
God's timing is often masked by inconvenience. Often when God wants to fulfill His promise in your life, an opportunity opens up for you and it looks like an inconvenience. We started looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan last week. In Luke chapter 10 verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away leaving him half dead. So yeah, you've got this man, he was probably Jewish. And he's been robbed on a road between Jerusalem and Jericho, a road that was notorious for, for being dangerous. And they beat him up. And they stole everything he had. And they left him half dead. So some religious leaders come along. You know, these are guys, they're there in the temple, they're praying. Eh? These are guys, they're wearing the fancy robes and, and they've got stuff on them that people say, whoa, that's a holy man. That's a man of God. And these holy men come and they walk over to the other side, which means they pretended they did not see. But this guy being robbed was an opportunity. An opportunity to be used by God. And then the Samaritan, the Samaritan who's an outcast, the Samaritan who's looked down on, the Samaritan who's seen as useless, he comes. The scum of the earth comes. And he takes care of this guy. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 33 and 34, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. When he saw him, no, say, say, repeat after me, say, he saw him. Say, he saw him. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey and he took him to an inn and took care of him. When the Samaritan came and he saw this guy, this was an opportunity that God had given him. And God often comes and He gives you an opportunity. If you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while. When you see the broken lives of other people. The opportunity cost Him His time, His effort, His resources and His money. The opportunity didn't come for free. The same as with Jehoshaphat. They had to go fight the battle. It had to be a step of faith. They had to step out in something that didn't make sense. This Samaritan has to help a Jew who was probably racist against him. He took the opportunity and he ensured that the man recovered fully. What greater gift is there that you can have than to be used by God that someone can recover fully? I want to tell you, I've been around a while. And people go to music festivals. They go to, you know, these prophets that have got doves on their emblems all over the place and they go to parties and they go to parliament and they go to wherever. And I'm telling you now, it doesn't matter what the world has to offer you. Nothing even comes close to raising children, both physical ones and spiritual ones. Nothing is more painful, but nothing comes close to the joy. Now God has mandated His church to heal wounds. 
God hasn't mandated the church to be there to make you feel good about yourself. He's mandated the church to heal wounds. Now, when a person suffers from a physical wound, I spoke about it last week, they require immediate attention. They require an antibiotic. They require an, anti, an antiseptic in order to avoid infection. <clears throat> now, just as it occurs in the natural, it occurs in the physical. And I want to say this again to you. Sometimes you're depressed. Sometimes you're full of wrath. Sometimes you're full of all sorts of things. Sometimes you're full of offense. Sometimes you're full of all sorts of things that the Bible says is sin. And the reason why it's there is because you have been hurt in the spiritual realm and the wound hasn't been dealt with. And what's the problem? <clears throat> Very often, the people you're hurting today are not the cause of your problem, although you think they are. Something happened in the past. And the people you're fighting today have got nothing to do with the problem. And by the way, when you fight with the people, you look nothing like Jesus. You cannot be like Jesus with a wound. One of the enemy's strategies to get into your life in a subtle way. <clears throat> and he uses this to take you out. He will work to take ground in your life until he has total control of you. And what is he doing with that? I spoke about it last week and I'm just feeling I need to speak about it again. Because often these wounds inside of you are hidden and you don't realize that they're there. But you're not able to walk out in faith. You're not able to listen to God. You're not able to trust God. And this is the problem with a wound. You're not able to trust God because of your wound. Satan wants to rob you through things like this of your joy, your hope, and your happiness. Are you drained of your strength? Are you drained without the will to do the will of God? God wants you to do His will. Once Jesus has saved you, God wants you to do His will. Jesus, in fact, said to His disciples, if you love me, obey my commandments. It, it's a very clear thing in the Bible. And, and at the end of the day, though, you, you're not going to be able to obey the commandments of Jesus if you're wounded. And then at the very moment then when our God is down, we accept the defeat of the enemy and we begin to believe that failure is a permanent part of our lives. But we need to understand that if you believe failure is a permanent part of your life, you believe a lie. I was sharing with some guys yesterday from 2 Corinthians 5. If you believe in Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. It has, past tense. If it's not true, you're not saved. Yeah, but look at the things I'm doing wrong in my life. No, no. The old has passed. The new has come. 
You've got to put on the new man every single day. It's a choice you've got to make. But you have the new man. You have the choice to be able to live like that. And you have the choice to be healed. You can stay hurt though. You can stay hurt. God's purpose for our lives is to have complete peace and freedom from every kind of oppression. And I want you to think about a song that I remember from when I was growing up. And the song said, were you there? It went, were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Now, that's the second verse. The first verse says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Does that picture cause you to tremble? It should. It causes you to tremble because of the extent, the magnanimity, the incredibleness of what Jesus did on the cross for you. To heal you of that wound. And now you're carrying it by choice. We must face the fact that life is not always easy and straightforward. It's not always easy and straightforward. But at the same time, the Bible declares that God wants us to be a voice for the voiceless. Are you a voice for the voiceless, Christian? Are you a voice for the voiceless? This is the vision that God has set for you. There's a story that I read from Pastor Cesar, and he talks about a professor. In fact, I heard the story elsewhere before. Some of you may have heard the story. But it's a professor of a school of medicine that is known worldwide, asked his students to decide on a problem of medical ethics. He said, This is the story of a family. The father has syphilis. Syphilis is a sexually transmitted disease. The mother has tuberculosis. And together they have four children. The first one is blind. The second one died. And the third one is deaf. And the fourth one has tuberculosis, which is TB. Presently, the mother is pregnant once more. They are willing to have an abortion. And if you decide that it's, that it's the necessary action to take, they will do it. What will you recommend? So the students gave various individual op uh, options and they discussed this, they discussed that. And then the professor asked them to separate into groups and to discuss the problem with each other. All the groups returned to say that they would recommend the abortion. Congratulations, the professor said. You've just taken the life of Beethoven. You know the composer Beethoven? Yes, you've just taken his life. When you've got these wounds, you cannot take on the promises of God. What is, what is it required to take on the promises of God? You cannot be ruled by, by sadness. You cannot be ruled by depression. You, you, cannot, you cannot be ruled by unforgiveness. You cannot be ruled by the offenses of life. You, you cannot be ruled by something other than the will of God. You cannot focus in anything other than the blood of Jesus. You cannot focus in anything other than the cross. Because if you focus on anything other than the cross, you will never be good enough. 
I want to say that again. You will never be good enough. If it weren't for the cross, I'm not good enough to stand before you and preach today. But because of the cross, because of Jesus, I am a new creation. I am a brand spanking new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I am made new. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, as 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says. I am, yes, I tell you, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I no longer want to live the old way. And so I know what the Apostle Paul said, forgetting what is behind. I focus forward and I press on towards the goal. The crown that Christ has set before me. I press on towards the crown. My goal is to please Jesus. My goal is to live for Him and do what He said on this earth and be the healing power that the Lord Jesus Christ wants me to be on this earth. And if you're using your sin, you're using an excuse. Because Jesus says, I knew about your sin when I died on the cross for you. And He said, right now, you're invalidating what I did for you. You're saying my blood is not good enough for you. You're saying my blood is too cheap to sort out your sin. I've said this often before. But the promise of God is that you are turned into a brand new creation by the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And you have the hope of eternity. You have the hope of heaven that is living on the inside of you. You have the same power in the Holy Spirit living in you the day you gave your life to Jesus. You have had the same power living inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. But now you're sad. Now you're sad and as I say, that's so bad. How can you be sad? And you start giving me the reasons. And you rattle them off. And there's an encyclopedia for, okay, but you do realize you were headed for hell and now you're, you're going to spend eternity in the New Jerusalem where the streets are paved with gold, where there will be no tears, where the glory of God will be there. There will not be the, the need for the, 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 the light of the sun or the moon or, or electricity. You won't need Eskom because the power of God will be there and the glory of God will be there. And you yourself will have a brand new body and you yourself will shine like the sun. Yes, you will shine like the sun. Why do you need the sun if you shine like it? You don't even need a torch. Imagine trying to get into the darkness if you sound like a sun. That's one of the promises, guys. But sometimes because we're so sad, we see the guy that's been robbed. And, and let me tell you what the guy that's been robbed represents. It, it, it represents any broken person that you come across. And you come across them every single day. They could be the cashier at the shop. They could be anywhere. They're a broken person. And you're so sad because it's so bad. Because you're so mad. Because whatever. And Jesus said, stop focusing on you. Get yourself out of the flipping picture because you're not that important. I remember the book by Rick Warren. Purpose Driven Life. And the, the book starts with the words. You're not that important. <laughs> Get that into your head. You're not that important. The world doesn't revolve around you. Many people close that book right there. Offended. What do you mean I'm not that important? You're not. You're, you're not. In terms of your own thoughts, get yourself out of the picture. Start, start laying your life down. 
you're hurt, go minister to someone else that's hurt because God will heal you. Go pray for someone that's sick. It won't take you too long to find people that are worse off than you. And then it won't take you too long to get to the place whereby you realize, gee whiz, I'm, I'm actually incredibly fortunate. I really want you to think about that today. What, what does that man represent? He, he's a man that, that's broken. and People may not be broken and robbed, but the, the enemy has stolen everything from them. He has stolen their dignity. They, they, they're on their way to hell. They, they're afraid of dying because there is no hope for them beyond the grave. They're wounded. And what does the Samaritan do? He comes and he tends the wounds of the men. And he tends them with oil and with wine. The, the oil represents Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. When you, when, you, when you start speaking to someone and you speak in the Bible to them, the Holy Spirit uses you. And you'll be shocked how many times He's using you to speak the word to someone and He's speaking to you at the same time as you're saying the words to them. The Holy Spirit does an incredible thing when you speak the Bible. The Holy Spirit brings your words to life. And you sound like someone incredible, someone out of this world, someone spectacular, and someone brilliant just because you're speaking and the Holy Spirit's using you and you're speaking into someone's life. And then the wine. So they poured oil and wine. The oil is for the inflammation. The wine is an antiseptic. Well, the wine is an antibiotic. It's a spiritual antibiotic. It's the blood of Jesus. You administer the blood of Jesus to them. There is no other solution. You can't be good enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read the Bible enough. You can't do enough. You can't be enough. It's all on the blood of Jesus. There is nothing else but the blood. There is nothing else but the cross. If the focus on your life is anything but the cross, you have nothing. If your foundation is anything but Jesus, you have nothing. You know what Jesus said to his disciples in the Gospel of John? You can go and look it up, you'll find it. If you say you love me, obey my commandments. You think when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he wasn't talking to us? Do not walk by the other side. Do not find an excuse. I don't have enough money. I don't feel I'm ready. I don't feel I'm called. I, I don't like, you know, I just feel I'm not a preacher. Why, why are you saying that? You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That army that's coming against you, that army that's coming against you and your nation, no, no, the prophet of the Bible is telling you, the Lord will deliver you. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Go minister to someone else. The Lord will deliver you. And he will use you to deliver others.
I want to just say this last thing and then we're going to say a declaration together. It's a short one. Things are so broken in the world right now. And the enemy just works overtime. You know, just we're getting over COVID. Next thing, Russia invades Ukraine. Petrol, 22 rand a litre. And they're saying it's going to go to 40. And what is everyone talking about? No, I don't like to watch the news. Uh, you don't have faith. You don't like to watch it because you can't face it. <gasps> don't talk to me about death. God forbid. Why not? It's going to happen. You're going to die. For every person that's alive, one, one's going to die. There's a 100% chance that you're going to die unless the rapture happens in your lifetime. What do you mean don't talk about death? You're afraid because you don't have faith. I want to speak into your life today. You're afraid because you don't have faith. And because of your fear, there's sadness. And because of your fear, the enemy has stripped you of your energy to do the will of God. He has stripped you of your hope. He has stripped you of your passion. You focus on things other than Him. You focus on things other than His will. You focus on everything but he, what He wants you to do. And then you expect people to understand because you're depressed or you're sad. But the depression or the sadness or the bitterness or the anger or the wrath or the envy or the jealousy, all of that stuff is a spirit that's over your life and it's casting a dark shadow over you. And so you don't do anything for the Lord. And in order to overcome that, You've got to start applying the blood, which means you start speaking and declaring what the blood of Jesus has done for you. This is why we teach you about the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. This is why we teach you the five confessions, which is under the blood of redemption. This is why we teach you that, because you've got to keep reminding yourself of it every single day. Because your flesh will not remember what the blood has done for you. Your flesh will remember what people have done to you. And people will hurt you. As sure as what the sun rises tomorrow, someone will hurt you. And the declaration is this. And, and I want you to think about this because you're actually making a statement. It's like, I'm going to shoot you. It's a statement like that. You know, I'm going to shoot you, and but you're serious. You've got the finger on the trigger. Not, not like some, I'll shoot you. And meantime, they'll never shoot. You understand? I'm talking about the guy that will shoot. You've got to say it like that guy says it. There will be no sadness in me because the Lord will comfort me. There will be no sadness in me because the Lord will comfort me. It's like I got this gun pointed at the devil. There will be no sadness in me because the Lord will comfort me. Bwah! Splat the devils all over the place with the blood of Jesus. You got to be that determined. You've got to believe what you're saying. You've got to mean it. You've got to be serious about it. I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. And I want you, I want you to say this. But I want you to say this with a fire in your heart. I want you to say this with a determination in your soul. 
I want you to say it with every fiber in your being. I want you to say it like you mean it. And see Jesus touching you right now. See the Holy Spirit just blowing like a wind over this place. And He's penetrating your soul right now. And say, say to yourself, it doesn't matter if everything looks different to this. It doesn't matter if the sadness that I've been going through is going to overpower me forever. And I'm never ever going to be able to get out of it. And I'm in this pit that is about 200 kilometers deep. And it's dark and it's cold and it's dingy. I will never get out because it's a rock face from here all the way to the surface. But I'm going to declare this because I serve a supernatural God. And the first thing He'll pull you out of is the pit in your emotions and in your thinking. And once He's pulled you out there, you'll begin to see the manifestation in the physical realm. Because things always manifest in the spiritual first. The physical is always a manifestation later on of the spiritual. It always is. What you're facing today is a result of what's been going on in your spiritual world in the previous period of time. What you'll face in the months to come is as a, is a result of what you're doing spiritually today. And so when you start declaring this, even if there is sadness, you start declaring this with faith. You start declaring this with the power of the blood of Jesus. You start declaring it believing God's going to honor His Word because He, de he declares this in His Bible. You will be healed. You will be raised up. And the glory of the Lord will touch you. But you've got to take a hold of the promise. You've got to seize it and put it inside you. With a zeal and a fervor like never before. Someone asked you, Peter, after me, say, There will be no sadness in me. I want you to say it with much more zeal than that. Say, There will be no sadness in me. Because the Lord will comfort me. I want you to raise your hands in a sign of triumph. Say, There will be no sadness in me. Because the Lord will comfort me. I want you to say it with your hands straight up, like, you know, you know, like when the, 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 the guys in sports and, and their team just scored, you know, like Cristiano Ronaldo scored and all the other players, ah! and the crowd, ah! like that, amen, we're going to do it like that, amen, say, so there will be no sadness in me, because the Lord will comfort me, give Jesus the biggest shout of praise, amen, amen. 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 I want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to think about where you stand with the Lord right now. You know, in Romans 8, 11, it says, And if the Spirit of the Lord who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. And I want to tell you that what separates you from from those who are not going to make heaven and those who will make heaven. What, what separates you out in terms of those two positions is what you do with that scripture. Do you believe that scripture? And Romans 10 verse 8, 8 and 9 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to tell you today, you, if God is speaking to you, your eternal destiny is at stake. 
And the reality is every single one of us, we come before God. None of us is good enough. All of us have sinned. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is no one that is righteous, no, not even one. But Jesus died on the cross for you. He took the punishment for your sins. So that the punishment for your sins doesn't need to be on you because it went on Him. This is what He did for you. And if there's anyone now at one of the sites and the Lord has been speaking to you, I'm going to give you a call in a moment just to act. And those of you that are watching online, if you're not at a site, and if the Lord is calling you to do this, you need to, you need to give a testimony on that. So message us and, and email us at, at info at theactivechurch.org. Info at theactivechurch.org and say, I've given my life to Jesus and give us a contact number. But when you, when you give your life, your sin is washed away by the blood of Jesus. When you give your life, the Lord Jesus is giving you the purpose that He died to give you on the cross. When you give your life, not only are you completely and utterly forgiven, you are cleansed. When you give your life, He fills you with purpose and gives you the assurance that you are a child of God. If you make the commitment, you're saying, Lord, now is the time. I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now. I want to commit to you right now because I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to know that whenever death comes knocking, it won't affect me. It won't affect me because I know you'll be with me. And so if there's anyone now at one of the sites, I'm going to ask you if the Lord has spoken to you and you need to give your life for the first time or you need to recommit your life to Jesus, just right now where you are, just raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. Just raise your hand right now. We're going to pray with you. I see your hand. Right at the back. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. I, I see this hand. Right in the front. Is there anyone else? If there's anyone at the side, just raise your hand right now where you're standing. And now where you're at, someone just needs, Marcus, can you just take the camera? I'm going to ask those of you that raise your hands just to come forward. If you haven't raised your hand, I'm going to ask you just to come forward anyway. The Lord is there. The Lord is with you. Come. Just come stand here right in front of you. And don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Every one of us has made these decisions. Can we just give them a round of applause as they come forward? Just come stand here. Let's just give them a huge round of applause. Amen. Just come around here. Come on, let's just give them a big round of applause. Amen. Just move across. 
Now I want to tell you that Jesus loves you and I know He loves you because He loves me. You know I know He loves me because He told me. And I'm telling you, I mean even the camera guy, He loves you. Even though you messed up the camera by giving your life. You know what I'm saying? It's like awesome. It's like the best thing. Camera guy's giving his life. Wow, that's incredible. I just think it's brilliant. Amen. And you were fearfully and wonderfully created in the image of Almighty God. He loves you so much, I can't even put it into words. All right? I mean, think about it. You all, you've got two eyes, two ears, and nose. You look perfect, all of you. Amen. How much time and trouble did it take to create you? And he loves you so much that Jesus came and died on the cross for you. Amen. And if you believe what we pray now, and you commit your life to Jesus, he will save you. Like he saved me. Like he saved many before. He will save you. And you will be a brand new creation. So I'm going to ask everyone to do this now. Just close your eyes and put your right hand on your heart. And I want you to picture Jesus. Picture Jesus and picture the cross. And when Jesus died, that moment when he was dying over 2,000 years ago, it is washing away your sin right now. And it is washing away your sin because the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that one sacrifice has taken away the sin of all mankind, even mine, even yours. I want you to see it being washed away now. You're going to make a declaration, but I want you to see that you are being made clean. That is giving you a brand new life and a brand new hope. The, the, the death of Jesus on the cross is the price that was paid for every single one of your sins. And by this act of faith, all your sins are being washed away. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. We're all going to pray with you, so you're not going to pray alone. But repeat after me and mean this prayer and you will be saved. So repeat and say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice because I know that it was the price you paid for me on Calvary. And today, Lord, I ask that by the blood of your wounded body, I would be washed of all rebellion and all my sin. I ask you to set me free of any sickness and any pain. And today I accept that my debt has been paid and that you see me as I've never sinned. And by your blood, I have been sanctified, which means you've set me apart to serve you. And Lord, I want to serve you. And so today I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in to be my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. I claim your promise that from this day forward, according to John chapter 1 verse 12, I am your child. You're my daddy. Thank you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God of earth and heaven And all the space between 
maker of creation is the maker of my dreams. The God of endless glory and everything we see. The same light that lives inside me is the lamp unto my feet.